and we are live with living the guide life today there is a tad bit of snow on the ground up here in minnesota which is ruthless why does it snow in april why 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 i still am confused on how that even happens but you know minnesota just it's average year gets a little snow the second week of april and that's just how it is so hopefully it's warming up by the time we get out there for bee season. Um, I don't want to go sit out in the cold. I like turkey on in the nice 70 degree weather and sunshine and all that kind of good stuff. But I know there's a few people out this morning. Got a message, a few of them, on people sending us pictures. So make sure to send your picture in if you shoot a turkey this year. And uh, I'd love to see it. So today's is brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. Come hunt with us, like I said before. Um, excited to meet you guys, and it's going to be a really fun year. We're going to really be chasing them hard, and it's really looking up to be a good one. So make sure to get a hold of us at Chasing Fowl Outfitters and book your hunt today while you still can, because our books are slowly closing up. And I want to make sure that you guys get on top of that. So hit us up and let us know uh, when it works. But today we have Mr. Josh Tefton from Falco Outfitters down in Oklahoma. We dig into a bunch of stuff today about guiding and, you know, some of the stuff going around in the hunting industry and, you know, just every. We dig into a lot of it. We cover the map pretty much today. And so uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this one. Josh was awesome to talk to. Just a really humbled and great dude. And it was an honor to get to speak with him. So hope you guys enjoy this one. And we will catch you later. sunny outside right now weather's nice finally starting to feel like spring yeah we're uh yeah we're kind of back in civilian life for the last two or three weeks and getting used to being around kids and wives and <laughs> all that stuff so all is well absolutely and how was that snowstorm you guys had down there were you a part of that no we didn't get the brunt of it it was really strange normally a big front like that the northern part of the state will get hammered yeah but actually this time it all stayed south and um, our guys running snow goose hunts in the south southern part of the state they got like 18 inches of snow we only got you know probably three or four here it wasn't anywhere near the amount of snow and that's pretty unheard of in that part of arkansas I and mean, i don't i don't even I don't know if there's been another snowstorm in my lifetime. I'm almost 40, and I don't know if we've seen another snowstorm down there in, in the last 40 years. So it was pretty unprecedented. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, how are you guys doing down for snow goose hunting? 
we did uh, we had a rough go of it this year man it was uh we had i mean i i can say the weather probably had a lot to do with it um for most of the guys in arkansas um you know had a, we had some good haunts but it was tougher for sure and we had a lot more cancellations due to the weather and yeah. and um you know of course the covid cloud is still hanging around mm. but um but overall, you know, I mean, it was a good season. It just we didn't get to hunt as many people as we wanted, and and it was a little tougher due to the weather, you know. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Um, how many guys do you guys usually hunt down in Arkansas? What's like your ideal group? Like per day? Yeah. So we run ten a day, and okay. we don't we don't go north of ten. Um, typically, it's usually somewhere between six and ten, um, and we try to run for the whole. So basically, the uh, first week of February through the first week of March is is usually what we try to do. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, that north snowstorm is pretty crazy from the looks of it. That'd be uh... it was unbelievable, man. The last <laughs> day I hunted in Oklahoma, we had uh, it didn't it wasn't a lot of snow. We had a, you know the ground was covered for the most part, but not more than a couple few inches. Yeah, but it was minus nineteen wind chill. And uh, and we ended up. I mean, it was an unbelievable hunt. It, you, had to, you know, the wind was blowing. It was uh, it was brutal conditions, but the, there was a payoff, and we ended up we ended up killing 131. Oh, and that was uh, that was a new record for our lodge as far as geese go. So that was pretty cool. And um, and we end on a on a bang for sure. But it was it took some intestinal fortitude to get out of that weather. <laughs> it was kind of an optional deal for me too. I, I was I was having to get prodded and and begged to go, and I ended up going. I'm glad I did now, but it yeah. was uh, it was rough. Oh yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was down with Cadillac Creek like beginning of February. That's right when it started to get real cold down there. And uh, them boys are not excited about that. Yeah, you know, there's a threshold, you know, when you're when you got, especially at the end of the season, and uh, and you don't have to go. That's a different, yeah. that's a whole different deal. But um, yeah, I mean, I think get south of 20 degrees and the wind blowing, and it starts to get pretty dicey, pretty uncomfortable, really quick. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the time to go throw the a frames up and have some heaters in there. That's exactly right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I kind of want to hear your story on how Falco came about and uh, your hunting background as a kid and everything like that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we all have different but similar backgrounds. Um, I started the latest in the waterfowl world, and um, John David and Aaron, they both grew up around it. Um since they were little kids, I, I, my first time hunting anything was when I was 14. I went deer hunting with a friend and, uh, and his dad and ended up shooting a deer the first time I ever went. And after that, I was just like, it was like, I'd found my calling, you know, I was obsessed. (laughs) I I was asking for a gun every Christmas and, (laughs) and, um, you know, it just kind of bit me. So I, I got heavy into deer hunting until I was in my, late teens and then i and then i got introduced to waterfowl and and uh, there was sort of an overlap for deer um i was i worked for texas trophy hunters in 2005 and 6 and um you know got to travel and film for their tv show and and got to experience all that which was really cool um 
and then you know just kind of i actually what got me is i had a a world-class deer at 40 yards in 2000 the end of 2005 i had a 232 inch free-range deer at 40 yards and it just melted my soul that i couldn't get i couldn't get him to take his eyes off of me for long enough to draw my bow and i never even got to try to shoot him and uh he ended up getting shot by a neighbor of the guy the, the guy's neighbor that owned this place and that's how i know what he scored he ended up calling me and telling me but it uh, after that it just sort of deflated my drive <laughs> to deer hunt anymore so i was real i really enjoyed duck and goose hunting and so i just sort of dove into that and that became the more i did it the more i loved it and it became a an, a, an obsession a passion whatever you want to call it and yeah. um and you know one thing led to another and met some people and and uh you know kind of got better and better as time went on as far as the you know production you know in the beginning you're just you're happy to see birds and especially if you're on public ground in my part of arkansas i'm not in the i'm on the west side so it's a whole different ball game over here but um you know it, that was like the first thing i remember is I just wanted to go, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't care what the outcome would be. I just wanted to go. And then you get pretty good at scouting and figuring stuff out. And you're, you know, if you get to see birds, you're happy. And then if you get to shoot your gun, you're happy. And then, you know, they talk about waterfowlers going through all these stages and, uh, you know, I feel like I've been through them all. Um, I was at a point for a while where I wasn't happy unless I killed a limit, you know, you had to kill a limit every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, or you weren't happy, and then you know you do it for long enough, and it kind of becomes this uh, more of a spiritual thing for me, you know. I mean, I'm just I'm thankful to be able to get up and go and see the sights and the smells and the the sounds, and you know, and watch other people enjoy what I've you know gotten to enjoy for all these years. So it's uh, it's interesting, you know, looking back on 20 years of it and and kind of seeing the progression where you get to you know it's not that you don't want to kill birds every day we do our damnedest to try to get everybody on them and and uh, make a you know give them a memorable experience but it's uh you know at the end of the day if you can provide an overall experience where guys are enjoying their time whether the hunting's excellent or decent or you know terrible at times um that's kind of what we're trying to do so yeah oh absolutely the experience thing i mean i've noticed is just a huge part of it all I mean, guys want to go down and have fun with their kids or their buddies. I mean, and then that's just, like, what they're kind of going for. Yeah, that's right, man. I mean, and, you know, we are uh, we're a little bit different in that, you know, we don't put as much emphasis on on the production as, as a lot of other outfitters probably do. But um, that's not to say we don't put as much effort in. We put just as much effort in as anybody yeah. um but at the end of the day we're our place is really about relationship building and, and uh we want our clients to want to come back and hunt with people that they know and and uh you know and that you know can kind of reciprocate a emphasis on relationship and and uh an overall experience you know that's the kicker is like it, it's a, it, it's really cool to go on a hunt with somebody and have a really good shoot but you don't get that you don't get a sense of accomplishment and and like you don't feel that can't really verbalize you know the word but yeah. there's just a bit there's a larger sense of satisfaction when you're doing it with people you really like yeah 
you know, so uh, it's just like you're going with your best buddies versus going with folks that you don't really know. You could have a banger hunt, and it's just not going to mean as much to you, you know. So, so we try to build up those friendships where guys can, you know, they get that full impact when we really have a good shoot. They're smiling ear to ear and, and really enjoying themselves. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, as long as uh, it's fun, upbeat. And, I mean, I've hunted with guys that are kind of. Little bit dull i mean you still get a good shoot but it's like all right do i want to kind of go back there and hunt again um right. compared to okay if i want to spend my money um i want to be laughing the entire time or bullshitting or whatever it is like yeah just having, just having the time of my life and i mean if we shoot some awesome like i love it that's what we come to do but at the same time it's like those memories are just the biggest piece of it yeah yeah, so I mean, that, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, as far as how things got going with Falco, we uh, so I was managing a private club for eight years, and uh, and you know, just sort of got to the end of the road there, and and wasn't sure what I was going to do at all. I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. Um. So I was, you know, saying my prayers and asking God to give me some guidance, and uh, this was in March of seventeen, and so. April of 17 rolled around and um, John David and Aaron, John David I'd met about a year and a half before, knew who he was for a long time, but never met him. Yeah. And we actually ended up meeting in a barbershop by happenstance, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, so we ended up meeting and then I invited him to come and hunt with me at the place I was guiding at at the time. And he did. And we were like fast friends um, when that happened. And then <clears throat> that was then. That was sometime in 20, I think it was the 2016-17 season, okay. um, towards the end of the 16-17 of the season. So, 17 March, I, I, you know, let the owner of our company know, the company I was with, know that I was going to leave. and uh, But I had no idea what I was going to do. So, April, there, John David and Aaron, and Aaron, I'd never met, but his dad had trained dogs for me for 10 years. Uh, prior to that and um, Aaron and I knew he knew who each other were but we you know we never met yeah. so they're they're turkey hunting in uh, Oklahoma and for whatever reason um, Aaron had lost his guide job not because he'd done anything wrong because the place he was guiding at it's called Wildlife Farms in Arkansas had sold and the, the owner the new owner closed it off to commercial hunting he privatized the whole thing so Aaron was without a a guy job and uh, you know he'd always dreamed of doing doing something like this on his own and, and owning his own place or you know being a part of something that he yeah. was he was the owner of and, and so he um they're sitting there turkey hunting and aaron well, for whatever reason has a premonition you know whatever you want to call it he he says basically god told him that they needed to call me they needed to invite me to lunch and mind you i had not talked to these guys about leaving where I was at before at all. They had no idea. Mm -hmm. So um, John David's like, dude, we have turkeys gobbling at us. And you're worried about this right now. Like, shut up. We'll call him when we're done. And he's like, no, text him right now and tell him we want to have lunch. And so he just had this overwhelming feeling, he says. And so um, they texted me and uh, and we went and had lunch that next week. And, and, you know, at the end of that lunch, it was basically where we left. It was that I told them, you know, I don't know how we would do it or, or, um, you know, or anything else other than where I would go. You know, I just knew that um, I'd been to 
North Central Oklahoma several times, and I'd seen the the resource was very abundant there, and the competition was was extremely low uh, from an outfitter's perspective, yeah. and uh, and it was it would be the the place I would go. And other than that, you know, we could talk through how to maybe get there, but I didn't know at the time. I just knew where we'd go. So we sort of left it at that. And then um, uh, another guy um, that I'd hunted with a couple weeks later ended up calling me to have the same exact conversation. So at that point, I was like, okay, maybe this is God kind of pushing me in this direction. Yeah. And so, um, you know, two weeks later that happens, and I immediately started trying to think about how we could, you know, get the resources, monetary resources we would need to do something. And uh, literally the first guy that I thought of, um, the first guy that popped in my head when I had lunch with him said yes on the spot. So it was like, this is, I mean, at that moment, I'm like, this is, this is, doesn't seem real. You know, like we're, we've got this idea and we want to do this, but now, I've got a I've got a checkbook and open checkbook to be able to go and do this, and it was just like holy moly, you know, like unbelievable, and it, you know, like a dream deal, like you just couldn't a deal you couldn't turn down. So we um, we ended up, you know, buying a piece of ground in October of seventeen. We bought the place that we we sit on uh, that whole seventeen eighteen season. We pretty well spent out in a trailer. We bought a travel trailer to stay in on the property and uh, just network through the community in the area and had a goal of getting access to a certain amount of acreage. And, and we hit that goal and then actually, and then some, and then uh, we broke ground on the lodge April 15th of 2018. And, um, and we hang on my wife, my yeah. wife's off. Just a minute. Right. So anyway, we uh, we ended up breaking ground April fifteenth of eighteen on the lodge, and uh, and had our first clients. Got the keys to it September twenty eighth of eighteen, um, and then had our first clients November of eighteen. So that was our first season. Was November or uh, excuse me, eighteen and nineteen was the first season we ran clients and. Um, you know, we met a few guys in the industry and had a got some exposure and, and some legs under it, and it just sort of from there, it's it's just sort of taken off like wildfire. You know, beyond our wildest dreams, I can tell you that beyond anything we ever expected it to do. Um, you know, from an exposure recognition standpoint, industry wide, just to um, literally not being able to serve as many people as we could <laughs> that's you know, the best problem you have. I mean, we have way more clientele that we can serve and it's uh it's a double-edged sword you know because there's so many people that i'd love to be able to get in to the place that we just can't you know they've been waiting for years now so yeah it's um i mean it's a testament to our team and and the operation we put together and uh you know that's the other thing is like we we were extremely fortunate to find a group of people from our our guy that cooks for us, Brian. Um, you know, to Val, our hospitality gal, and and uh, she's like the front of house lady. And then, um, and then we've got five guides that are. I mean, they're phenomenal. Like it's it's a really unique thing to find nine people who are all really good at, at you know one thing, 
that all bring something different to the table. And and I don't know if we've had, I mean, I'm not gonna say we haven't had arguments, but in, in yeah. three years of operating, we've not had a single blow up argument between one and we live together. You know, we live in a in a shop building um, every day for four months out of the year. You know, you think nine different dudes, all alpha dogs for the most part, are going to get at each other, but we don't. It's really, it's really crazy. It's a family environment, and we we treat each other as such, and it's worked out so well. I mean, it's by God's grace is, is all I can say because it's just not normal. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what a cool story to kind of build on. Yeah, of. like that's just really neat. And I first heard about you guys when. uh the run and gun tour um came and joined y'all i think when they uh did that like yeah tour. that was that was really cool to follow along and then right when you guys got to do that that was sweet no it's so cool they're great dudes i mean jj you know now he's with lifetime we don't we don't i don't get to keep up with connor much the um he's a lighter haired guy than jj's long hair um when they came by and, and but now we we keep up with jj all the time he's he works for Lifetime Decoys now, so we get to work with him most every season. But, uh, yeah, that was cool, man. And we, you know, like we've gotten the opportunity to work with just about everybody um, in the industry from, you know, product and and uh, influencer standpoint. I mean, several phenomenal photographers. And, and um, you know, the more you do it, that, the more exposure you get. And, yeah. you know, there, there's a downside to that, too. People, some people you know, call you a sellout or whatever, but, you know, we just like to meet people and get to know people and, and, uh, we're open to, we're open to that, to that, you know, for anybody. We don't, we don't really close ourselves off to anybody. So yeah, it's, uh, it, we just feel humble to be in a position where people care enough to want to come and get to know us. <laughs> so. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I love meeting new people and, uh, kind of seeing how, different people work or whatever it is and that's kind of partially why i started this was just to kind of hear everyone's story and everyone's background and meet yeah. people in the industry like it's just so cool to hear it is man it really is and you know i'm not one to uh i i, I think that in, in the hunting industry because i've been in it for a little while now you know <laughs> it's uh there's a there's a natural habit of you know sort of holding oneself in high esteem and pointing the finger at other people and how they do things. Cause you may not think it's the right way and, yeah. and all of that. And I'm, I try, if I've done that, man, it's been unconscious because I don't, I don't, I hate to, I hate to hold myself or I certainly won't allow our company to hold itself in high esteem to the point where we're going to, you know, dictate how other people operate or try to say this is the right way to do it. That's the wrong way to do it. You know, we're all, at the end of the day, like there's a, there's a lot of people, especially in the U.S. now, who would love nothing more than to see hunting and fishing eradicated, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, if we're, if we're chomping at, chomping at each other over God knows what, most of it's ridiculous, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. about whatever that issue might be. I mean, that's just giving them inroads to to separate us and take away what we all really love. And I don't, I'm not going to, we're not going to participate in that. We just, you know, as long as you're doing whatever you're doing in the confines of the law, then uh, more power to you, man. We're not going to, 
I don't judge anybody for how you do it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have Ben Potter on from Hunt 41 and Ken Outdoor. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. uh, kind of hear what he has to say about going on different trips and, you know, telling these different stories. Um, everybody hunts different. And so it's not like, okay, one time if you're side shooting geese or something and someone gives you shit for it, like everybody does it. Like there's just so many different things that people try to nip at or whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, yeah. Guys, like this is just—we're all trying to be one big community. Um, yeah. And then if you start nagging people about different things, and then certain people get a hold of that and want to post it out to the public on like, oh, this is a bad rap for hunters. Um, gotta kind of focus on kind of helping each other out, and I feel like for the most part, people in the waterfowl industry are willing to help people out as long as they stay in their own lane. That's what I've Oh, heard. yeah. Like, yeah. if you're doing a thing, like, and it's in your own territory and you're not going to hop in somebody else's, like, more power to you. But once you jump that line, it's like, eh, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, and then you got those, like, Facebook groups and people tearing into each other and it's like all right guys kind of let's team up um kind of help each other out because i mean if you look at it like connecticut's got that one deal where if you legally harvest an animal in africa like a lion elephant leopard giraffe rhino i think it is and then bring it over but you have all the legal paperwork for it and everything like that they're still going to try to give you a felony on uh, on that, and it's basically telling them, like, it's manslaughter. Like, that's what it's going on your record as. Yeah, yeah which is completely asinine. I mean, like, with some of the stuff that's – and that, but at the end of the day, that's part of that faction of people, you know, that they hate our way of life. They hate what we treasure. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't want to give those people a, a foothold whatsoever. And, you know, there there is uh, – uh, that can be, I think it's one thing to, you know, to try to say that this is the right way and this is the wrong way. I don't like that's, I think that's ridiculous, yeah. but there are some things, you know, like where the amount of attention you draw or the, the type of attention you draw can be problematic and, and can be uh, more hurtful than helpful. You know, and and there's a bunch of examples of that. I'm not going to call anything out or anything yeah. like that. But um, I think you know, at the end of the day, we as hunters got to make good, smart decisions about how we portray ourselves to the public, and uh, we're trying to pull people in. You know, what's funny is you know people in the in the waterfowl world, uh, in Arkansas especially where I'm from, you know, there's like this overwhelming impression that you know there's just hunters everywhere and the pressure is overwhelming. And, and that, that is true to a certain extent in certain places, but nationwide, the number of hunting licenses that are being sold every year, every year goes down every year. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lifestyle that's, that's going away. And so we're trying to pull more people in. And if you're trying, if you're 
if you're the guy that just got into it and you know you make a you make a mistake call it a mistake or just call it an oversight or whatever yeah. and you get crucified because you're doing something that somebody else you know may not approve of what all that's doing is that's pushing that guy away or that mm-hmm. person away rather you know that person's just going to be like well screw this i don't want to be a part of a community where guy i'm getting you know crucified online or yeah. amongst my friends because i'm I didn't know any better. So, you know, I think we got to give each other some grace and, uh, and try to push the ball forward rather than push people away. We got to be, you know, give people some grace and invite more people in. Yeah. And that's a great point too. Cause if you think about it, like as me and everyone else, when you start out waterfall hunting, like you don't know anything for the most part, like your calling's bad, your decoy systems yeah. are different. Like, and you're not shooting as many birds as like the people that have done it longer or your buddies that are older, like or people that are older that are going to be like, Oh, you only shot this amount of duck. Like what a shitty day. Like I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine doing that. And then it's like, all right guys, like you're just shitting on this dude because he's younger and he doesn't know as much. Maybe you kind of guide him to shoot more birds. And it's like, I mean, you're just beating up on this kid, and it's, dude, I don't want a waterfall hunt if I'm just going to get shit on all the time. Right, exactly. And I think there's, I mean, I think probably by and large, more guys, more people are are of the mind that they're willing to help and, yeah. and answer and, and, you know, um, be informative. And, and, you know, the people on the, on the other end of that spectrum, it's really more about ego and, mm-hmm. you know, they got to hold this the field. Yeah, they got a hold of Phil inside of them, and they're they're using the wrong, in my view, they're using the the wrong things to fill it. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's true. But you know, I think I think it uh, that's a battle we're going to fight every day from here to eternity because people are inherently flawed. So <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can say about it. Oh yeah, and then like back to the like felony deal. I mean, if they're willing to do that like people need to realize hunters um like if they're gonna try to do that they're gonna try to do more stuff and more stuff that's just like the peak of it like you're just gonna it's gonna keep growing and keep growing until it's gone that's right yeah and i don't i don't want to give anti hunters anti-fishermen anti-wildlife anything of, of any kind of platform because i think it's ridiculous you know that that way of thinking is completely ridiculous to me so yeah it just i mean we're out there i mean we're killing no doubt but it's like you're harvesting an animal everyone that does it has respect for the most part you'd like to think um like you're gonna take this animal you're gonna go eat it whatnot um but the hunters just the anti-hunters are taking the like bits and pieces like if you saw that video of the doe that was shot and then that buck was coming up and like trying to still breed it. And it was posted up on like Save the Reef, which has like a million followers. People are commenting with a million followers, like, this is brutal. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like somebody shot that deer and that buck's so in tune with breeding that it's trying to still get after it. And you have to be careful on kind of what you're posting now. There it is. That's exactly what we're saying, right? I mean, it's not that there's anything wrong 
you know, with with killing a doe or killing a buck or anything, you know, as long as it's legal. Yeah. It's why would you choose to post something like that as yeah. fodder as fodder for people on the other side to highlight and and you know garner support for their side of the argument, which is, you know, that's the thing. We don't want to give them any. And you know, we've been we actually got called out on on post one time, and and I was I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty pissed off about it in the beginning. Yeah. But then, you know, after several weeks of <laughs> sort of going through it in my head, I'm like, you know, that there's a point there, and there's a there's a reason um, that 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 got called out, and and there, and there's some truth to it. So, you know, that's exactly right. It's like before you put something out there in the public eye, you know, especially if you have a, a fairly large platform, yeah, you know, like. Think about it. You know, how is this going to be perceived by the masses, let alone just the hunting masses and or hunting outdoor masses and people that follow that? So I, I think you're exactly right, man. Like you just got to be careful and uh, and thoughtful about about what you do, you yeah. know, and how you how you present yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've even when I was a little bit younger, I might have posted like a dumb video of shooting a goose, and then my like mentor was like dude you can't be doing that like be smart like educate yourself and don't post that kind of stuff like shooting at, i don't know what it, i forgot the video but like it was just a dumb video and i'm like well who really cares like it's not a big deal and then i'm like okay you start thinking about that you're like all right that was dumb like everybody that doesn't hunt does not understand like what you're posting up or like it's just a stupid video to post and then yeah like it's just something that doesn't need to be like shown out or just immaturity at my age when i did that um sure and then also you have the side of like yeah there's a big platform like if you're posting on a big platform of a bad video or whatever um but then there's also that side too i was talking to ryan Bastian about this and uh he's like you know you have to think about the smaller guys too that you also have instagram reels that can blow up in a second and you could only have a thousand followers or whatever it is, and that video could go viral. And then right. it's so much easier as well to get down on the little guys and beat them up, um, like the anti hunters, because they have no one to back them up or whatever. Like it's just a, it's it's an easy target to prey on. Right. And so there's a piece of that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. Well, you know, I mean, I think it kind of goes like it sort of plays into our overall philosophy from you know how we try to portray ourselves uh, at least you know to the public and it's it's really way more about highlighting you know what makes that experience so great you know what is it about it that you know you can't quite put your finger on that, that keeps you coming back because anybody that says that the the killing of an animal is what takes you back is what makes you continue to do it is is sort in my view this is my opinion they're sort of joking you're sort of kidding yourself because you know how many times do you does a guy deer hunt before he gets to shoot a a, a deer in his mind that's a that's a world-class buck how many times does a guy turkey hunt before he you know actually gets to pull the trigger on one how many duck hunts have you been on you know or goose hunts have you been on where they've given you the finger you know yeah. it's like but you still get up and go you yeah. know and there's a there, it's like I, there's something about just 
and in my view, it's a spiritual thing, you know, totally is that where we are designed uh, in the image of God and, and his creation is, is made for us. And we're drawn to that. You know, it's like, you know, you heard that phrase, the mountains are calling and I must go. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's sort of the way it is when it comes to hunting and fishing. Like I, I don't go, I used to, I guess you could say at one point in my life, I went, you know, and, and that was my focal point was the production. What, what, I, what, what was I going to produce from this trip, whether I caught a big fish or a bunch of fish or I yeah. shot a bunch of ducks or a whatever, you know, if that's not what drives you, when you really sit down and think about it, what drives you is the sights, the sounds, the smells, the, the activity, the camaraderie, you know, the, the prep. I mean, my gosh, I can't tell you how much fun I've had prepping for a hunt <laughs> compared to actually going on. I'm, I'm a gear nut anyway, so, like, I love to, like, sit on my stuff out and look at it and be like, all right, you know, we're yeah. ready to go now. Yeah. So the prep is, like, a big part of it. But, you know, it's, like, almost the, the production is the payoff, you know. Mm-hmm. You actually make a plan and you go out and, and it, and it works to some degree. I mean, that's the sugar on top. The experience to get there is what you really enjoy, in my opinion. I mean, that's for me. That's I know I can say that. And like everything leading up to that is what I is what I really enjoy. So yeah, and you hit it right on the head. I mean, when I was going down to Cadillac, Toby texted me like a week before and was like, "Hey, man, birds have been rough. Like, uh, we can schedule like a different time next year. You can come down and hunt with us." Um, and I was like, man, honestly, like, I just want to go down there, experience it, like, have fun with you guys, meet you. I've been talking to you for so long. Like, I just want to get down there and kind of be a part of it. And we did get on them the pretty good the last two days. But, like, that was just, like, kind of a plus for me because everyone thinks that, you know, if you're going to make these huge trips or whatever, you need to go kill a bunch of birds or do whatever. And it's honestly, like, for me, and like you were saying, it's just like about the experience. Like I just love going to meet new people and see how they do it, and it was just I had a blast. Like, yeah, I mean that's it, man. That's what it's all about. We can't. Uh, that's the thing I think that we we can't get enough of <clears throat> is the uh, is just the idea that you know every day is going to be different and. You know, you don't really know what it what it has in store, and but you know that you know if you're a waterfowl guy, most of us we get to go with our friends or family, and mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, good grief, dude, I I can't I can't count the number of days that I've just been locked into watching the sun come up because it's taking my breath away, or watching the sun go down. Yeah, you know, and there's those moments that I can I can vividly remember where you know you'll see a the sun will be shining just right and you'll see a mallard flash that, you know, there's something about the glow on them when they turn, you know, a certain, like there's, that's the, the stuff that I'm like drawn to, you know, and yeah. used to be, I, I think it, it just goes back to that. You go through stages, you know, everybody gets to, but eventually if you do it long enough, um, I met very few guys that get to the, that do it for a long time that don't get to that point where, you know, it's like, man, even if I'm pretty confident it's going to be terrible, I'm getting up, I'm getting some coffee, I'm getting yeah. in the truck, and I'm going. Yeah. You know, and because I'm because I'm thankful for another day, and yeah. that's, and I'm I'm thankful for another day to get to do what I love to do. 
yeah. and that's uh, that's the key, man. Is like you just uh, you gotta appreciate it for what it is, and uh, not so much about what it produces. Yeah. Oh, and I hear you. I mean, I had a really big moment when I was sitting in the turkey woods last spring, and for some reason, like just watching the sunrise come up and everything, I was like drinking my coffee, listening to birds. I was like, how did I get so lucky to be able to do this? with my buddies and get to make these trips and stuff like that. And then going Amen. into waterfall season and being able to do that again, it's just like, how did I get so lucky? I don't know. Amen. I agree. I totally agree. I feel it every day. Yeah. I've had people, you know, we, well, we all hear it, you know, the me and John David and Aaron, everybody that's involved in what we're doing. And, and they're just like, golly, you guys get to do what you love and, Man, it's such a cool place, and we hear it all the time, Chance, yeah. and, you know, I never get tired of hearing it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we're we're just stewards of what God's given us, and we're trying to be the best stewards of it that we can, and, um, you know, I, I pretty much tell everybody the same thing, like, hey, this could, this could burn down today. <laughs> yeah. It could all go away, you know, but as long as my wife and my children are healthy and and I can afford to feed us, you know, doing something, this could all go away and I'll be, I'll have a big, you know, shitty grin on my face yeah. as I walk away from it, knowing that I've got to do something that very few people are ever going to get to do, you know, and that's, you know, be able to experience living their, their dream, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's why we, well, I hope that's why we've been able to have some success. You know, I think God has blessed our operation because we don't, we don't take it for granted. Yeah. We try not to take too much credit for it, um, and and it's not an idol. You know, we don't hold on to it. Yeah. It's uh, it's just here for now, and and if we get to do it for another 15, 20, 30, whatever many years it stays going, that's great. But um, you know, it could go away today, yeah. and we'd all be extremely thankful for having been a part of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, the things that you can see as a hunter that nobody will ever experience or like when i was out in south dakota watching birds break down from so high i don't even know like i was just like one of the coolest things that you could see was just these birds want in so bad and they just want to come down and check it out and be able to do that kind of stuff and even the days that were tough for us i mean i was still sitting there i'm like Man, I'm out in South Dakota right now, snow goose hunting. This is this is it. Like I love every minute of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know the cool thing about waterfowl too is like you just never know, and you can't ever really put your finger on why they do what they do on any given day. You know, I mean it's it is the dangest thing, and it'll it's. I mean, honestly, it's like part of what drives you to keep going and try to keep learning and figuring it out because you know i had a, a good friend of mine he told me this a long time ago he said he goes he goes man brother the thing about ducks you know just when you think you got them figured out you don't <laughs> and that's exactly right i mean just when you think you're like the man you kill them anytime they will humble you so fast that you know and and they're all that way you know ducks and geese both yeah it's like that's what's so cool about it is you just can't quite figure out what that secret sauce is that's going to work all the time. You know, you can, 
you can definitely have a knowledge base that gets you closer to it and, and ups those percentages. But man, I don't care who you are. They're, they're going to give you the finger at some point, you know, it's just oh, the way it is. And you could, you could have the best plan and the best decoys and the best calling and the best everything. And they're going to give you the finger at mm. some point, just the way it is. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Like you're just going to get beat up. It's bound to happen. And like, you were saying we don't go out to kill every day because you are going to get that middle finger. <laughs> Absolutely. And I kind of like that. You know, yeah. I kind of like the, the idea that, you know, they will hunt you and you have to stay on top of your game in order to, you know, keep your um, production up. You know, if you don't, if you get complacent because you think that you've got it figured out, they will, they will quickly show you that you don't. <laughs> and, uh, and I dig that about, waterfowl just about as much as anything you know i mean they're beautiful birds they're such a variety there's so many things i can say about why i love waterfowl hunting but that's definitely on the top of the list is that they are a they are a very um formidable adversary you know yeah and i mean you never stop learning either like it's just you're always learning a new tactic something that's like for example us i mean last year we really started to notice more snow geese pushing into our roost. And so mm-hmm. we're like, my thought process was, okay, how can I try to replicate that more? And maybe throw out six or 12 silhouette uh, goose decoys and, you know, see if they like them. If they don't, then they don't. But if they do, that's kind of what it is. And we noticed that it's like kind of a confidence for them to see that because they generally like to land when we had them out, they'd like to kind of push towards those snow geese. And it's just like something like you just try it out and they kind of liked it. I'm like, all right, yeah. Like you got 20 snow geese on a roost. It kind of plays into that a little bit and uh, just kind of try to replicate it as much as you can, but they're still going to humble you. Yeah. You know, we've had an ongoing since the very beginning of our operation, we've had an ongoing um, argument. I guess you can call it an argument, debate would be a better word. Yeah. About about the productivity of full body decoys over silhouette decoys. Yeah. <laughs> and which ones which ones throughout the course of the season if you used them every day would would eventually would you know, equate to higher production as far as geese go. Yeah. And uh and you know, we still it was really funny because up until this year I would have said hands down you know, if, if you hunted over full bodies every day, you know, you would eventually, your percentage of your ratio would go up, would be higher, you know, yeah. birds per, per hunter. And I'm like, now, after last season, I'm like, I just don't know if that's true anymore <laughs> because we use silhouettes so much more and they work like gangbusters. So, I, you know, it's that's there again, it's back to that deal. Like, just as soon as you think you've got something maybe figured out, <laughs> you don't, you know, and... And so, you know, we've tried to, we try to do a little, we, I mean, we experiment a lot and just try to figure out, you know, what's best, try to be consistent in our area. And that's another thing, you know, I've actually talked to Toby at Cadillac Creek before about, you know, that what they do, and we're hunting the same kinds of birds. We're all hunting little lesser Canada's, yeah. whatever you want to call them. And, uh, you know, you're talking about probably a lot of the same geese that he's getting that have been around us you know we're right they're just south of us yeah so i'm like well you know what are you guys doing right now blah, blah, blah. we try and they they won't even look at us 
<laughs> you know, and, but like in the, in the inverse, that is like if Toby tried to do some stuff that we tried to do in Northern Oklahoma, they won't, they'll give them the finger. So it's like, <laughs> what is going on and why does the area that they're in at any given time dictate how they're going to react to a certain stuff? It's just so crazy. And there's so many variables that uh, I think that's really what makes waterfowl hunting so interesting, though, is you just never really can figure it out all the way. Yeah, oh, exactly. And I talked to uh, Forrest Carpenter um, from Dive Bomb about kind of the silhouette and stocks and kind of different scenarios he likes to use them in and kind of what to look for. And he kind of really described it as, um, like, if you're in a field with Canada's, you're usually going to see, like, very laid-back feet. They're going to be feeding. They're going to be laying down, kind of not moving around a ton. Um, but then with the lessers, you're going to be kind of more active and kind of jumping around a little bit, uh, flapping around, whatnot. And he's like, that's kind of when you run into the stocks kind of deal is, okay, these stocks are high motion, whatnot, and that's going to kind of work better because they're going to be more active with the lessers. And if you right. run them on big geese, not so much because you don't see that in the field. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I can I can attest to that <clears throat> at least for you know big geese looking at a lesser spread. We have some resident graders, not very many. Yeah. You know, but they'll be the the eight or twenty or fifteen pack on occasion that'll fly in a straight line. You know, on a beeline to you, and then eighty nine yards out, they veer off like no. Not yeah. even, and they do it every single time. So oh, it's yeah. like it's hilarious, you know, that you're just like, yeah, those guys are like, oh, here they come. You know, your clients are like, here they come. They're coming right at us. And we're like, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> In about five seconds, they're going to turn off. That'll be the end of that. And they always do. You know, it's really funny. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about a bird with the same DNA, and yet they act totally different, and they like to look at, you know, completely different types of setups. So yeah. Oh, exactly, because I was always thinking about, like, you know, we have a lot of dirt fields up here that are hard to hide in, and I'm like, okay, well, what if a guy did lay under a couple socks and how that would work out? And then it's like, okay, well, you kind of, you could try it out, and I might try it out, you never know, just to see if it works. If it doesn't, no big deal. Like, it's just how it is, and try a new tactic out, but then you look at, like, what's actually in the field and how they're actively moving around and they're not kind of flocking around like lessers would but with the big geese you just want them still and kind of just chilled out and so it's stuff like right. that you kind of think about and it's like would this work um if not then you know you, you can say you tried it at least once right yeah and, yeah i don't know it'll be uh It'll be interesting because I I've been thinking about that a lot, but it's just one of those things how you can replicate in the field, um, on even like where the birds are setting up in the field. I mean, you're watching them in a certain part of the field that night, and they're gonna do it the next night or whatnot. And then if you wanted to go try to set up on another side of the field because maybe you can drive your truck in there easier or whatnot, and then right. they start landing 200 yards away. And you're going to be like, okay, well, there's a reason they're over there. And they've been over there the past two days. Let's try to work a little harder and go get to that spot because you're probably going to sure. shoot them up better. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we hunt we hunt as many 
little Canada's as we do mallards over there, and it's pretty well half and half. But um, the the little geese tend to give you a little more rope when it comes to that, at least from what I can tell. I mean, I think bigger geese. I I can't speak a whole lot to hunting big Canada's. I've only done it, you know, a few times in my life. But um, those little geese a lot i think more often than not probably not all the time i mean if you can get to where they are and you're way better off yeah uh, but if you're having to lay in a spread versus you know you've got i don't know just say for instance you've got a drainage with really thick grass in it that's 200 yards from where they're landing they were probably going to pick that yeah every single time over trying to lay in a spread you know yeah. and get on and get on the and get on the spot just because you know you're when you're especially when you're running clients you know you have a lot of a lot of guys that don't really understand the importance of being hid being yeah. still and uh and all that and um you know hiding 10 guys or 12 guys or whatever it is in a decoy spread is really really tough to do um you know because you got the light and the way it's if you have sunshine or you don't because mm-hmm. they're you know what is the glare what are the shadows look like you know and all of those different variables so you just add more the one thing i like to try to think about is you know is try to remove all of the variables that you could potentially blame you know birds not wanting to cooperate on yeah. so you know look at every single thing going on and is there anything out there that, that you could that you can put your finger on and say that could screw us, you know, that one thing could screw us. And I'm always one that's like, you know, laying in laying in spread as much and we've done it, we've had unbelievable hunts, but it was like it's an only option, you know, type scenario. And and when it works, it's the coolest type of hunting there is. Yeah. You get to watch it all happen and your client's eyes are the biggest saucers. But <laughs> man, it's like when you when it ain't right, it it is just becomes pure frustration. And we found, you know, when we can, when we can get in a, in a, on a field edge, on a fence row, you know, somewhere where we can hide A-frames and get people completely hidden, we tend to do a lot. We're, there's a lot more consistency to it, you know. Not to say that you still don't get dicked on every now and then, but it's, uh, it's way more consistent, at least for where we are and what we're and what we're doing. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, the pieces that you can always people think oh it might be the spread or it might be the high whatnot but i took away a pretty cool thing that we did when we were in south dakota because we were setting me and Corey set up like 1500 stocks or whatever for snows and set them up in the morning and then he's like let's go sit in the truck and kind of watch where they want to go in where they want to go land or whatnot where they're going to go over and see it without having any blinds in the field or anything. So then that takes away that variable of, okay, right. like we're watching how these birds are going to work. And that was kind of cool because I've never thought about it like that. Right. Um, and I mean, we weren't running clients or anything like that. So it was nice to kind of sit back and watch and see how those birds react without us actually being in the field. Right. And that was, that was very cool. Yeah, that was a cool takeaway because I've never even thought about anything like that. Right. Like, well, Corey's a pretty savvy guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> he was. I was. Uh, when he came to the lodge this year, he was doing that thick of snow, yeah, whatever, whatever they call those things. I forget. Um, 
but he he showed up and i was i had been pretty sick i didn't have covid thank god but yeah i actually kind of wish i'd had covid because what i had was probably way worse than covid would have been <laughs> but i didn't get to spend much time with him other than one afternoon and then i hit the rack again and i was out for i think three or four days after he left so i didn't get to spend any time with him hunting or whatever but yeah he's a cool dude that's for sure and what little time i got to spend him and brett amundsen both yeah. really good guys. yeah oh absolutely and he loves his cooking is just unbelievable um, he's a good cook oh yeah there's like different ways on how he uh like cooks things up or you know he'll hang some birds and kind of do like different stuff because i mean he does his own garden that's like you just tell me about and that feeds him all year round that's like, awesome i'm doing one right now too yeah and it's like he's got like half a mile of like sh- like the water strips or whatever the droplets or whatever for his wow and so that's crazy yeah it's a big operation um and like to hear all about that and how he kind of keeps food like good like he's like yeah you can just throw carrots in the sand and they'll they'll stay good all year round like i don't oh, know about that <laughs> no that's cool <laughs> so, that's really cool yeah just like different stuff like that you just kind of learn along the way from different guys it's kind of neat yeah it is well growing your own food neat anyway yeah <laughs> that's oh, for yeah. sure yeah but uh i want to hear about you guys shot some cool hybrids this year we did man and it was it was crazy because i've never well yeah i i say as far as i can remember and as i know i never shot a hybrid bird period just in you know 20 years which is pretty crazy but um now there's a i actually take that back i don't know if it's not a hybrid but there's a i forget what they even call them but i did I, i did shoot a mallard drake in arkansas one time that kind of had that i don't know their feathers are like almost grayed out like oh. they're super bleached out yeah you ever seen those i forget what they call them yeah anyway, yeah i know what you're talking about i, don't I should have gotten it mounted but i didn't but it was uh <laughs> it was a really cool bird um and then uh this year so josh farley one of our guides he we had a i think we had a break on the holidays or something and he he went and ended up shooting a, a really gorgeous mallard pintail cross and that was the first one um and then after that we we had a group of clients and shot a it wasn't a hybrid it was a goose it's we're getting it mounted and it's like it's got a it's like some kind of genetic anomaly we, we actually called a biologist about it and it's got you know the white patch goes all the way around to the front of his head and it's yeah. just a crazy looking little canada so uh we got we're getting that one mounted and then um and then I was on a, I was guiding a group, um, and you know saw this, saw this group of mallards, and they're way off at the time. You know, luckily, I say luckily, but we had a group of clients that you know were fairly new to waterfowl hunting, so they were just pretty well doing what they were told. Mm-hmm. And anyway, uh, I saw this black bird, you know, this dark colored bird, and I actually thought it might be a black duck. And so, you know, they, we call at them and they do, they do the thing and they did it perfect. And it was kind of a deal where I wasn't going to let that thing get out. <laughs> and so it was like a, 
boom, y'all kill him. You know, I pulled up to shoot, and then I, I sort of called the shot after I'd already shot it. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, that bird falls, and, and uh, they shot a couple more, and my dog brings it back, and I'm like, man alive, that is that is nothing like I'd like nothing I'd ever seen before. It ended up being, you know, this wood duck mallard cross. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's about the it is the coolest bird I've ever seen, you know, in person. So um, anyway, Hunter took some pictures of it and we posted that thing and it went absolutely viral on yeah. Facebook and Instagram. I think it got like 1.5 million views on Facebook. And it was uh, it was insane. Um, and then not too long after that, probably a month later, we had a a client shoot a uh, a mallard widging cross, which is really cool. I hadn't seen very many of those. So, yeah, I mean, we had a crazy year as far as that went. You know, you go from never seeing one hardly at all to killing four really unique birds in one season. And I think that kind of spoke to um, at least Aaron. This is his opinion. You know, he said that he said that uh, seeing you know hybrid ducks like that, especially multiple hybrids, is a really good sign of of uh, production high duck production in the in the potholes and in the prairies and, and uh, you know a lot of those birds i really think that's why we had the best year of our lives any of us we had the best season any of us have ever had ever had at, our, at the lodge and um you know almost killed as many birds this season as we did the first two seasons put together which was ridiculous i mean like i don't know if we'll ever do that again but um it was unprecedented good and uh, but Aaron was Aaron was saying you know he thought since a lot of you know number one a lot of ducks were produced on the prairies but not having out of country hunters in Canada um you know could have had something to do with why we why we had such a good year I believe that you know a lot of times those birds are getting hammered on the prairies but the very first birds to die are mainly juveniles you know because they're yeah. the dumbest ones so um or the biggest suckers for a decoy spread anyway. Yeah. And uh, so they get thinned out, you know, and I think that's probably why we had such a good, good year. And a lot of places did, at least in the central flyway, is because those those younger birds didn't get thinned out in Canada near like they do, you know, normally. So um, I wish that it was like that every year, honestly, because, <laughs> man, a lot it was like this was one of those years where we just felt like we couldn't, couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you you didn't. By the end of it, it was like we were getting spoiled to the point where, you know, a little bit of uh, thinking uh, kind of maybe didn't happen as as much as it would, you know, in years past where you're you're really trying to focus on getting it done every single day. Um, and it was like, well, hell, it's worked for the last fifty days straight, so we might as well just keep after it, you know. And, yeah. And it just kept on going, and I was. I was blown away that we didn't. We hit one two-day stretch where we were thinking it might. I think this was in late December, and uh, it got tough for a couple of days. And we were like, "Here it is, you know, we finally hit the wall." And reality's about to set in. But uh, it was a two-day deal, and then it was right back to hammering on them. Which, you know, it was cool. It was, it was a really. It's a season that none of us will ever forget. I'm telling you that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because when. Yeah. When you guys posted that and I saw that wood duck mallard cross, I was shook. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was literally shook. <laughs> well, it was, it's a super unique bird. I mean, I, I there were some guys on those posts, you know, that were posting photos of them, 
but uh i mean there's 200 plus years combined you know with everybody at our lodge of waterfowl hunting and none of us had ever seen one or heard of one yeah you know or, any, or didn't know anyone that shot one so they're they're definitely rare that's for sure yeah i mean how like good it looks too like how fully plumaged up it is yeah, and it like, looks like it was so cool about that one in particular. Some of the ones that I've seen that guys posted were really cool, but this one is so defined. Yeah. And like, it's almost like, you know, they cut parts off of each bird and put them <laughs> together. You know, like his stomach, his belly feathers are 100% mallard drake. His Jeez. back feathers are 100% wood duck. His feet are 100% wood duck, but his wings are 100% mallard drake. I mean, it's it's really a. I mean, I I, I never seen anything like it. Never never dreamed <laughs> I'd ever shoot anything like it, but never even seen anything like it. So yeah, it's really cool. It's like definitely the highlight of the season for sure. Yeah, on the hunting side of things. So. Yeah, that's that's just so cool. That's yeah, a, very. That's a sweet bird for you. Like, well, we're gonna we're actually gonna take them all and uh, and any any really unique birds that we kill, we're setting aside some wall space and we're gonna put them all in glass cases oh. uh, where people can touch them and and put them on the wall. So, be pretty cool. That's sweet. That is just that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I wanna kind of hear about the lodge life. How's how's that? Like, what's the how do you How's the food and everything like that? That seems pretty sweet. Yeah, so we, uh, man, we were very fortunate. We have a guy who uh, used to guide with Aaron um, at Wildlife Farms, and that was actually their partners, that, and they guided together for 12 seasons, I think somewhere in there, 10 or 12 seasons. Um, but his name's Brian Pilgreen, and he, um, he started to kind of pay attention to the cook at wildlife farms he got interested in the, in the food because he's you know brian's one of these guys you know like when he when he likes something he really likes it and you know he'll eat it like over and over and over again i'm not that way yeah i get burned out on stuff real easy and i want variety brian's not like that you know if he likes it he'll eat it all the time so he really really liked these this food that, that wildlife served he learned um from the chef there how to how to cook this stuff He's not a, a trained, formally trained chef, um, but the stuff that he turns out is as good a food as you will ever eat, yeah. and it is extremely consistent. I mean, he is he is like type A OCD to the point where I can't even, I probably can't exaggerate it enough, but, you know, I don't say that as a negative thing. I say that as a compliment because he is uh, literally... You know, you can you can eat our food, come back two years later, and it will taste exactly the way it did two years before. I mean, he's just so consistent. So we have a we have a rotation of of, uh, of meals that, that we do, and and it's kind of that if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. You know, um, our yeah. clients come once a year. You know, some of them twice a year, but um, they they basically get the same meals. Um, when they come and they, you know, it, it, they look forward to it. So like, uh, you don't want to, we don't really try to overthink it too much. You know, it's like we just do a two or three day rotation of meals and, um, they're all spectacular. And, you know, we do a, a 80 day wet age ribeye the first night and, uh, he does twice baked potatoes and asparagus and, and bread. And, and he's does a, 
he does this honey bun, butter fried honey bun dessert that is the best dessert I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean we're we we get big big uh, praise for the food, and it's all because of Brian and Jacob. They do a fantastic job, and I mean never had anyone complain about any of the food there. It's always super high praise, so it's a big part of our operation. And then um, we. We burn, you know, we kill a little bit of time shooting five stand. We've got a really cool five stand range we shoot at night. It's it's lit up with stadium lights. And oh wow, pretty cool. And then, um, and then you know the rest of it's just camaraderie, sitting around a fire pit and uh, smoking cigars and having drinks and getting yeah. to know each other, um, which is really the glue that binds that whole our whole operation together. I mean that's the that's the secret sauce is is that we are down there myself, John, David, Aaron. You know, like at least two or, th- or all three of us are down there every single night, and um, and we get to know our our clients really, really intimately. You know, we get to know who they are, where they're from, um, what they've been through, what they're going through. You know, we've got lots of stories of, you know, how we've been able to. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily counsel, but um, I mean that's kind of what it ends up being. You know, just have a. a it's like it goes deeper. Then our place goes a lot deeper than, you know, a place for people to come and, and do recreational stuff. We just get to know them on a level where we might be the first guys they call if they're, you know, if something bad's going on. You know, yeah. I can lots of examples of that, um, which is humbling. You know that that we get to be those guys. You know, or we get to be those people in in other people's lives that, you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, like these are the guys that I hunt with and I love to. <clears throat> go shoot the ducks and the geese with but hey i feel like uh they're the ones i want to be around and talk to when life throws me a curveball that's extremely humbling so you know and it's really our place has turned into that it's it's just more than uh than a hunting outfit so yeah that's a true honor um, too it I- is man it's really cool it's it's like the coolest thing about the whole thing for me is uh you know, when in the beginning when it was all happening, it was it was like I couldn't we, we were asking each other, asking ourselves like why is this seemingly so easy? You know? Yeah. It shouldn't be. <laughs> this you're you're asking <laughs> we're asking for an absorbent amount of money to do something that to most people would be a massive risk. Yeah. You know, and yet it's just like this clear path, smooth sailing the whole way. And, uh, I mean, everything fell into place. And so, you know, as spiritual, faithful guys, it was like, okay, I mean, God's going to reveal what this is for, you know, what the purpose is at some point. And, uh, and man, it's not, it's way more than just one example. I mean, we, I could talk to you for three days about all of the different things that have happened, um, over the course of the last four years that, uh, prove without question that the good Lord has got his hand on, on what's going on at Falco Outfitters. And, and, uh, you know, I don't want it to sound cheesy or corny that it's a waterfowl hunting lodge and, and it's almost becoming a mission field for us, you know? Um, but we don't, it's not a church. We don't have, we don't advertise it as such. You know, it's like, we just, uh, we just want people to come and be real and, and get to know us. And we want to get to know them and, and build and have real community you know, mm-hmm. based around something that we all love to do. That's pretty much as simple as I can put it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
a true testament on what you guys got going on. And then also, I mean, if people that are willing to open up um, to you about that kind of stuff, that's just, that's really cool. Yeah, it is, man. Next level cool to me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I feel like, I mean, having that log life is a big thing in uh, making truly a great outfitter, I feel like. I mean, absolutely. To, for yeah. people to go back and hang out after, not have to go into a hotel or go, you know, get their own food or whatever and kind of be able to hang out and, like, really get that atmosphere is just really neat. It is. Yeah, it is. And we, you know, I don't, I, there's things that uh, we can probably do better. Um, but I, golly, man, I've racked my brain about, about what I might change about it. And it, it just works so well. It's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough to come up with what I would do differently at this point or any of us, you know, cause it just works so well the way it is. And, uh, you know, I think being full and having a big waiting list is a testament to it. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's just really neat. And how many, uh, how many groups do you guys, do you guys run multiple groups for hunts like daily or is it kind of one group? Yeah. So the lodge sleeps 16 and, um, and we run, so it has two wings, an east and a west wing. And each wing has four bedrooms with two queen beds in each room. Okay. And they all have their own bathroom. And um, so, you know, you kind of got your own space. And then um, each each group is eight guys. If we have a group of 16, I'm not going to say we never hunt them all together. We have in the past. Yeah. But typically we split them into eight and eight. And uh, I, myself and, and Harold, or, or who's one of our, our other partners either he and i will take a group and, and then john david and uh, aaron will take a group and uh and then sometimes we'll stick together sometimes we flip-flop just so we can spend equal time with everybody but um you know a lot of the time we can give them an option whether whether they want to hunt ducks or geese yeah. um sometimes we just tell them this is what we're going to do you know and um we have a, a couple that don't want to hunt anything but ducks i don't know if we have anybody that just wants to hunt geese <laughs> but we do have a couple of just want to hunt ducks. so um you know we try to give them options if we can and then uh, most of our groups are two days um so they overlap though we don't we don't have a they don't back up to each other so like a group leaves on sunday the next group come in monday we don't do that yeah our groups leave on just say they left on a sunday after lunch at one o'clock the next group arrives at three so Val, um, our hospitality lady, uh, front of house, she's working her tail off trying to flip the whole place and make sure it's immaculate when the next group arrives two hours later. Now, she's been working, mind you, since early that morning to get it going, um, but we overlap every single group. So there's there's never a break. There's no there's no dull moment. Um, other than we, we get three days, we take three days off around Thanksgiving, three days off for Christmas and then three days off for New Year's. Um, other than that and the four day split, we go every single day for 84 days. That's awesome. It's a total. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. That's just, that's really neat. Um, and then, yeah, for like the geese and ducks, I mean, what's your favorite? Man, when I started, I would, uh, without question, without hesitation, tell you that I was a mallard purist. Um, being from Arkansas, you kind of have to be. But um, now, 
I mean, it would be really, really tough for me to decide on a big little goose feed or a or a big mallard duck pond. You know, it's just like I I kind of lo- I love going back and forth. You know, like hunt ducks one day, hunt geese the next. Hunt ducks one day, hunt geese the next. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so. I, before it would have been easy, but I mean, I really, really enjoy hunting those little cannabis. They're just, they're, it's just about as fun as anything I've ever done. <laughs> so, being the, you know, being on dry ground, not having to deal with waders and water and mud, it's, I also really enjoy that. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's a tough question. I, it's hard for me to say, man. I can't tell you that I like one better than the other. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you asked me if I had, one to hunt for the rest of my life, you know, and I I had to choose. I'd probably say it was mallards. Yeah, I'll have but yeah, but that's uh, that would be a tough decision. Yeah, and then is there anything that your clients have brought, like in the blind bag or anything, that has totally surprised you? Like whatever it is, I know is anything to like scope out geese from two miles. Oh, we definitely, yeah, we've had guys bring binoculars before. Um, there's, there's one, there's one guy in particular, I, I will never name names at all, but he, he is a gear fanatic and it seems like every time he comes, it is like a, a mad dash to get every last piece of unnecessary gear he can find. <laughs> to bring with him and there's like a blind bag and a cooler and you know and like um, the earmuffs and you know multiple shotgun chokes and three different kinds of shells i mean it's like you know just kind of overboard i can't think of anything you know off the wall that we've had somebody bring other than the binoculars yeah that's probably probably it Mm. had a few guys wear like white hats or you know blaze orange hats in the blind you're like hey man we're gonna have to take that off (laughs) oh yeah you gotta love it oh yeah you know you don't know what you don't know right oh exactly yeah uh, always something new yeah but you know that's a it's an endearing thing because like my favorite thing to do, even before I guided, I love to take people that hadn't been, I mean, it was always just like a natural thing. I'm a people person anyway. So, yeah. you know, going, the idea of going any kind of hunting other than deer, because it's really tough to deer hunt other people, yeah. but, um, you know, turkey hunting, I want to go with a buddy waterfowl hunting i would never ever even think about going by myself you know yeah. my brother he, he's gone by himself several times and i'm just like why do you even like what's wrong with you <laughs> it's just weird to me can't even imagine it but um but yeah i mean being able to take people and i love to take people that have never been you know that have no clue what they're getting into and man it's like it's just so cool the big it's one of the coolest things about the whole deal is like getting to take somebody that's never been and they get to have just a world-class hunt you know just off the charts yeah and those i mean you can just see it their whole being is affected you know like they can't they can't under they can't really even articulate or verbalize what it is that's going on and why they feel what they feel but you know those are the guys that end up going i mean several of them will just end up going nuts you know like they'll be texting me in the off season what, what about these waiters what about this gun yeah you know what benelli or beretta or whatever send me what you think the best gun is. what shells should i buy you know and it's like they just go crazy which is awesome you know that's what we that's what we want to do is is pull more people into that 
into that side than, than the other. So yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, I've had the privilege to take some of my buddies out that have never ever even thought about hunting. Um, and I mean, I had one kid. He took out, shot his first turkey, shot his first goose, and shot his first deer all in the same year. And now he's that is awesome. And now he's just addicted. Yesterday he calls me up. He's like, "Yeah, before uh, I usually let him use my gun, my one of my other guns, uh, for turkey season." And he's coming up with us, and he's like, "Yeah, I just need my own gun. What kind of gun do I buy? Like, I need. I'm gonna use it." <laughs> he's working on his Daniel Boone diploma now. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah. So, oh, it's just fun. And I mean, his first use was actually is crazy. We like rarely ever shoot cackles, and that was his very first goose to be shot. That's awesome. And I was like, dude, I don't think you understand like how how cool this is because we don't really ever maybe two a year we'll get. And he's Yeah, yeah, after doing some research I, I figured it out, man. Like that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, that is sweet. And uh yeah. I mean even like taking youth out, I love like the youth day hunts. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have a mentor that's taken me out ever since I was eleven, all the way until the end of it. And so trying to repay back that on any youth that I can take out is kind absolutely of that's awesome yeah we do we do a youth weekend every year and uh, we fill the place up and it's it's definitely one of the bigger highlights of the whole deal is you know we're fortunate to have some phenomenal places to go and, and take them and it's uh yeah there ain't nothing like it you know I think I think we probably get more out of it than they do you know because a lot of them are are pretty young and yeah. you know they shoot a few and they're kind of like ready to move on and go back to the lodge and <laughs> ride their bicycles or ride the utv or we'll do something different you know but <laughs> it's uh i think it does more for us than it does them but it's it's so cool just to expose them to it you know knowing that if they they stick around it long enough they're gonna they're gonna build that desire and, and you know pass it on to the to their kids at some point so yeah oh and yeah. i have yeah I, we all have kids I've got three boys. John David's got um, two girls and a boy, and Aaron's got his third girl on the way. And uh, and we've yeah we we love nothing better than getting them all out and exposing them to what we're all about. So yeah, and I mean I remember going on my first youth duck hunt. I mean this is like probably the most teal I've ever seen in a pond, like ever. My buddy takes me out here, and. I mean, I shot through probably three boxes of shells that morning and killed one teal. But, like, <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. And I was, like, so jacked up about it. I'm like, if I can do that for another kid or whatnot, like, yeah, like, it's just so fun. No, it's cool that you remember that. I mean, I think, you know, when you're in the moment, you, you I mean, I, I can catch myself thinking, I wonder if they really understand how good this really is, you know, like how cool this really is. Yeah. And the fact that to hear you say that, you know, you, you remember that, like, like that vividly. I hope that the kids that we're exposing to it, they get to come, you know, they, they feel the same way when they get older, they talk about it Yeah. when they, when they get older. So that's cool. Yeah. No, it, was, it was something else definitely never forget little blue wing teal and uh <laughs> oh that was fun just shooting was horrible just terrible <laughs> just terrible yeah. 
Yeah, that's the way it goes, man. We just t- tell them to point in that direction and turn it loose. Let her eat, man. <laughs> Let her eat. I heard that. Let her eat. Oh yeah, that's that's sweet that you guys do a youth hunt too. I mean, that's yeah. We do. We try to do the well. We don't try. We do the youth hunt every year. We set aside a weekend to do that, and then we set aside um, another weekend for a men's retreat that we do called the Purpose. And that's in conjunction with Reagan Renfro. Uh, big time outdoor photographer great guy yeah and we've been doing that since the very beginning and then um and then we have a veterans group um we support called black dog hunting and they they come out once a year for a weekend that's i mean those are some of the most special times you know and and coolest relationships because you got guys that have served the country and yeah have all been affected by it to some level some of them extreme some of them not so extreme but you know it's just uh it's such an honor to have something that we can do whatever you know something small just to give back and yeah and and do our part and that you know those are that's stuff we're going to do from here on out you know those days will always be set aside and, and we do an industry um we do an industry weekend the opening weekend we set aside for um all of our brand, the brands that we work with. And so, you know, they have representatives come out and, and we just spend the weekend eating and drinking and getting, you know, building those relationships and having a good time and hunting. Um, so yeah, we don't, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, you know, to, I mean, cause essentially we don't make anything and we, it costs us money to do that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, it's all not all about money, right? You know, yeah. you, uh, that's just part of being a steward of what you've, what you've been given. So we just try to do the right thing. Yeah. Good karma is always, always there. I mean, going to help people out like that, it just pays the suit. Like what goes around comes around, man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been, um, my dad's been very tough on that about how you can help others in any way possible. Like just anything you can do, just always kind of, always have that in the back of your mind and, yeah absolutely and then for like veterans that's really neat i mean guys that served our country um to be able to give that back that's that's pretty cool yeah well you know the bible says in luke whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much and so you know if you're trusted with the little things do the little things right you know we feel like the lord will bless you with with you know well we feel like we've been blessed with much already so um maybe that's a testament to trying to do the little things right absolutely absolutely <clears throat> and uh so how did you guys kind of get paired up with your partners and how do you kind of decide on what works and how do you kind of choose that kind of deal as, as far as uh from a hunting perspective or business or what It'd be a yeah. little defined a little bit more. Uh, yeah, like the hunting perspective on what you're gonna run and trust and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I got you. So, so there's four um, partners, and uh, you know we're all by far the oldest. We're all um, one. One of them, Harold. He's he just turned. I think he's 50. Golly, he's so old. <laughs> I hope he this. No, he's the oldest one, and he and I've been hunting together for. Uh, Oh, golly, north of 20, almost 20 years, maybe right at it or a little over. Anyway, we got it together for um, about eight years. And then uh, and then when I left the last place, he was guiding with me there and, and you know, brought him along with.
with me for this ride. And so he and I have been friends forever. I hunted public land in Arkansas, Biomeda. You probably heard of that. Hunted there for a long time. And um, and then, so John, David, and Aaron, they were friends, you know, coming in. I was acquaintances with both of them, but not as close as they were. So it was just a natural thing that the two of us would take a group and they would take a group. And then we have five other guides um, that we sort of rotate through. Um, you know, if they're not hunting that specific day and they're, they're on a rotation, but they'll hunt and then they'll scout and then they'll hunt and then they'll scout. So, that, you know, they're getting, if they're not in the field um, actually hunting, everybody helps set up. So we'll split the whole group to go set up spreads and, and get the, and prep the hunt. And then the guys that aren't actually staying to hunt, they'll go scout. So we've always got three or four on the road every morning, every evening scouting. And, um, and then as far as like, you know, who, who decides what, um, you know, on what we're going to do or what kind of set we're going to run, you know, if we're doing geese, I like to talk to whoever I'm hunting with, whoever's going to set up. And, and we sort of, I like to get a, I use a, a whiteboard a lot of the time and try to, you know, talk through every detail the night before, um, you know, and then as far as duck hunting goes, most of the places we're hunting are, are, you know, permanent blinds or they're smaller ponds and stuff. Okay. And there's not a whole lot of thought that goes into it. You know, it's like get the hide as good as you possibly can and, and leave a good gap for them to land in and get the wind right. And, you know, typically ducks are fairly cooperative, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we just try to talk through it the night before, and then uh, and then we go out and execute it the next day. And uh, I'd say we have a lot more success than failure. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely days like you just can't avoid getting the finger, and, and it yeah. sucks. It's uh, you know what that does to me. It, you know, personally, if I go out and I feel like we put our best foot forward, and you know we put effort into the hide, we got the decoys just look the way they they should and and for whatever reason those birds don't i get pissed off i mean it really it, it affects me deeply but it affects me to the point where not like this is stupid i want to go home like i'm gonna get your ass tomorrow you know yeah. that's the that's my mindset is like all right you got me today but next time buddy you're gonna win you're gonna win you hadn't done this <laughs> Because I'm gonna make sure we kill a bunch of y'all. You know, that's like that's like the it's crazy, you know, because you just it turn around and keep going. Some guys don't let it bother them at all. When I get dicked on, I get extremely annoyed by it. You know, I yeah. hate it. And uh, and so you know, that's my reaction. I can't speak for everybody else, but I, I think we're all kind of in that same boat. It's like, all right, you got us today, but enjoy your evening because tomorrow we're coming. Oh yeah, hell's coming with us. <laughs> absolutely yeah that's yeah, fun and then you guys do some like dove hunts and upland hunts as well yeah we have a, we run dove hunts all of the whole month of september and uh we have we have really good dove hunting in the area we got access to a bunch of ground so it's uh it's not too tough to find doves and then uh the upland game we do pheasants and chuckers and it's really just a supplemental uh activity for the waterfowl hunters and um you know, we have quite a few guys that do it. Uh, not a ton, but it's uh, guys that just can't sit still. You know, want want something to do in the afternoon. Yeah. We don't. We don't really like to waterfowl hunt in the afternoons just because we're trying to, you know, sort of preserve the resource. Don't overpressure them. Um, try to get in and get out as much as we can in the mornings, and then in the afternoons, if guys just want to do something, we'll take them as a chucker hunting. 
I say hunting, pheasant, chucker shooting. It's yeah. it's a put and take. So, um, but yeah, just gives guys something to do. And um, we're we're a full. I mean, we process every single bird for our clients. They've got we got suburbans for them to drive, so they don't have to drive their own vehicles. I mean, it's a pretty lush wow. Cadillac experience. There's uh, there's not much that we don't try to provide that we can provide. You know, so bring coffee and snacks and, and all that stuff there it's always around and um we just try to you know keep it as fun and as comfortable for them as we possibly can um you know with uh while also you know providing a phenomenal hunt and and good company yeah absolutely and uh how did you decide to uh go over to arkansas for snow geese so John David is from Dumas, Arkansas, originally. His dad and uncle farm about 11,000 acres there. And wow. uh, and so we had a, a natural inn in that area already. Aaron's from Pine Bluff, not too far north of there originally. So they've got some connections there, too. And, um, and you know, we had a couple of guides that, that really loved the snow goose hunt. And they said, man, can we, can we run some hunts in Arkansas? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, let's talk about the execution of it and and so we've done it for the last two years the first year went pretty well this year went fine it was just the the weather just kind of ruined a lot of it um at least in the time span that we were trying to run hunts in and uh, but i think i think it's a business segment a place that we're going to try to grow um yeah. over time we've, we've we've gotten access to a really we didn't build a new lodge but we've got access to a really nice place um that kind of will fit the mold of what we're doing in oklahoma it'll it'll fall right in line with what we've got over there which kind of what we want to do we want to maintain that level of uh you know experience as much as the hunting so um got a really phenomenal chef over there named bart likes he's he's great and turns out some really dang good food um so you know we're trying to we're working on building that experience up um in the, in the beginning, it was really more about the hunting. Now we're kind of working towards it becoming a, an experience of its own. And, um, you know, lots of stuff on the horizon. We've got some stuff in the works right now that could change everything. We're just waiting to see what happens with that. I don't go into too much detail about that. But yeah. um, but some stuff could, could really allow us to make some big steps and big moves. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, the, the we just decided we had a couple of guys that wanted to go Hunter and, and Tanner and, and they, they asked if we could do it and I was totally down if they wanted to go over there and manage it and run it because I'm usually uh, I think I, I know I speak for Aaron and John David and Harold too. We're kind of ready to be full done by, by the end of Oklahoma. <laughs> season. We're not as young as we used to be and these guys are in their 20s so they, they'll keep going. Yeah, I'm ready, to, oh, I'm ready to hang it up at the end of February, mid-February. So. No, absolutely. And is there any other uh, states that if the opportunity provided itself, you'd think about kind of opening it up? Man, you know, I think we're open to anything. Um, it just has to make sense, and it can't be forced. You know, yeah. that's one thing that, that we are, are never going to do, and we all agree on this. This isn't just my philosophy, but, you know, trying to chase money um, for the sake of chasing money is just not what we're about. It's not what we've it's not what got us here and, uh, and it ain't what we're ever going to do. You know, I think, um, if there's an opportunity that's there that makes sense and that, that we don't have to force 
something to happen or or it there it just seems like it's not meant to be we're gonna back off of it real quick um you know we have talked about trying to do um a canada operation at some point of course you know with covid and the way things are going up there we've definitely pumped the brakes on doing anything short term but long term you know things sort of start to normalize and get back to the way they were before you know i think that's probably the next place we would try to focus some effort and and put some feelers out and see what we can see what we can do up there but um you know again we we will always maintain our our brand and what we stand for and 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 the experience that we're going to provide will all be up to par if we're going to do something and uh and it it has to make sense and and it, it can't be forced so there's some pretty high you know bars that got to be met some variables that got to fall into place for us to to do more than we're doing right now i mean we set out to do 16 people a day as good or better than anyone in the country and uh and that's really what we're still trying to do you know and, and if that's all we get then that's totally fine you know whether i think we're all on board with just uh trying to maintain what we've got and and build our presence around there um and if another opportunity comes along that makes sense then we'll do it you know Oh, absolutely. And has COVID affected you guys at all during the season? You know, we got really lucky. Um, we pretty well, you know, Oklahoma's about as conservative a state as there is. Yeah. Um, so the there wasn't any real stringent uh, rules or anything like that that we had to abide by. So we just pretty well let freedom decide. You know, we let people kind of make up, make their own minds up. And if you felt unsure about it and, and were uncomfortable and you didn't have to come and if you got there and you wanted to wear a mask the whole time then wear your mask you know with no judgment and if you didn't want to don't wear your mask with no judgment we didn't really do anything other than let people make their own decisions and we were completely full we ran oh man somewhere in the neighborhood of 1300 clients and um we had nine different times where people called us and said that um, they had tested positive after they'd gotten home, but literally like a day after they'd gotten home. So it was like, there's no way they could have gotten it at our place because they're, you know, the gestation's 14 days, yeah. up to 14 days. And, um, and these guys were all literally, every single one of them was the day that they got home, they were tested positive. So um, as far as we know, it never ran through the lodge. I mean, we we only had you know singular events where guys called and said, "Hey, I got tested positive." Letting y'all know in case you want to kind of pay attention to how y'all are feeling. They were just giving us a heads up. Yeah. But none of us ever got it. You know, no no guys ever got it, which is really crazy because in the beginning of the season, I pretty well told everybody like, "Just be prepared. We are all about to get this." You know, like yeah. it's it's gonna happen. Um, just based on what I'd heard and what I knew and how contagious it was, like it was, it was pretty miraculous that we didn't get it. I mean, none of us got it. We didn't, we didn't wear masks, um, you know, unless we were in a car, you know, but we like most of the time we're outside with them. So it's like, we're not wearing a mask outside. Mm. Um, and then, uh, we tried to keep our distance, you know, around the, in the lodge and stuff, but there's just like it was almost the deal for us we're all young you know we're in that that group where you know if we did get it you're talking about a minute tiny little bitty fraction of a percentage that that we could uh, be really 
adversely affected by it. So we were just like, well, if we get it, we're going to treat it basically like the flu and uh, quarantine ourselves until we feel better and and uh, move on with life. And we yeah. never had to do that. So I was blown away that we didn't. I couldn't believe it that mm-hmm. we didn't get affected by it. But we had a few clients backed out, um, you know, nervous about it. But uh, we filled those. We backfilled those no problem. And and we rock and roll, man. It was the best season we 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 had yet. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you're saying 1,300 clients. Is that uh, about what you guys do every year? Yeah, that's a full. That's pretty well full calendar. So it's 1,300. Um, I say 1,300 clients. It's not exactly that many people. That's the number of guns. Yeah. Um, hunts that we run. 1,344. I think is what it is, or something along those lines. So um, that's probably less people. Probably in the neighborhood of 900, eight or 900 people. Okay. That's a that's a lot of people then. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you would just think based on what you hear on the news and, and <laughs> from your family and friends that it was an inevitability that we were gonna end up with COVID, but we did. It was crazy. That's a good deal then. Cool. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, I mean it's like you're saying you're kinda in that stage of where it's like if it hits you it's not going to be a very big deal. Um, you're not going to get, like, because I know some people, like, I mean, for us, everybody in our, like, friend group in college, like, got it, like, that first week back. And, I mean, all you could do is not smell. And that was it. And then, right. like, it was literally nothing off our back. So, it was good yeah. like that. But. I mean, I know. I mean, when you tell me, when you tell me, I've got a ninety-nine point nine nine seven percent chance of survival. I just, I'm one of those that's just not going to worry about it. <laughs> you know, and I, like I, you know, I got as good a chance of dying in an airplane crash. I don't worry about that either. You know, you're going to fly anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm, I've never been worried about it. I mean, they, Minnesota's very, very liberal, so. I mean, you gotta wear well, them. if I had, I mean, if I had family, you know, that uh, I, I tried to steer clear. My mother was a little worried about it. So we steered clear of them until we kind of felt like we were, um, you know, not exposed or we yeah. weren't going to put them in danger. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you just try to be cautious. I'm not yeah. going to be stupid about it either. Yeah. I don't want to expose somebody in my family that uh, could have a, a bad reaction. And, and if I was older, I'd have a whole different mindset about it. But I mean, I'm young yeah. and healthy and. My kids are young and healthy. My wife's young and healthy. Like we just didn't, we just didn't let it, you know, kind of rule our existence like uh, like a lot of people have. And you know, but everybody's different. I'm not judging anybody. Like to yeah. each their own on how they want to handle it. But uh, we're just not going to let it do that to us. So yeah, oh exactly. And that's like the same thing. I mean, my grandma was a little bit hesitant and stuff like that. And it's just like, all right, like we'll stay away for however long you want. And then when you're ready to kind of pop back into things and just let us know but yeah right stop me from living my life i mean like it's not gonna make me stay at home i'm not gonna stay at home and worry about it non-stop and like just right exactly i'm not not scared about uh dying so there you go don't it doesn't do you any good (laughs) to be afraid of it anyway yeah exactly because it's coming for us all yeah if it happens it happens uh, yeah, that'll take me. But yeah, no, it's it was it was an interesting year, that's for sure. 
Like, well, chance it's four o'clock, yeah. and I told my bride I would cut this off because we have plans this evening. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, man, if you uh, you want to check back in in a couple of years, we'd love to do it again. Hopefully, I can get John David and Aaron on here with us and kind of catch up on what's been going on. Absolutely, and I appreciate you hopping on. It was an honor to yeah. chat with you, and you know we covered the map about literally everything about what you guys do. So that was awesome. You bet, brother. Well, if you wanna, if you're ever down in Oklahoma, wanna stop by and hunt with us for a day or two. We got we got three extra beds in our guidehouse, and our buddies just kind of sporadically show up. So we make them work. You know, we put them to work when they get there. But I'm sure that wouldn't bother you a bit. Oh, not at all. Yeah, I might uh, I might have to take you up on that deal. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you just uh, holler at me, and I appreciate the opportunity a bunch. Yeah, thank you once again. And if you're ever in Minnesota and you want to come honk your hunt, let me know. You got it, Chance. Good I talking to you. I appreciate right. it. Thanks. You bet. Take Bye. care. And that wraps things up today for Living the Guide Life with Mr. Josh Tafon. Truly a treat to get to speak with Josh. He was a blast to talk to about what all goes on around Falco and, you know, some of the things that are going on in the hunting industry and kind of wrapping it all together. Um, just really, really great dude, really humbled on the opportunity he was given and uh, how he can do more. So thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed.